This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. Tomorrow, StatsCan will release numbers that confirm our new demographic reality, and it's all about Zoomers. For the first time, there are more people over 65 than there are people under the age of 16. We already knew that, but what does it mean for us and our country? Unfortunately, we've seen a lot of alarmism, a lot of pitting one generation against the next. Are we spending too much to care for our elders? That's the gist of a story this morning in the Toronto Star in which a UBC professor highlighted that kind of generational divide, uh, bringing up huge numbers and increases in seniors' benefits. But our generational expert says that is nonsense. I'd like to hear from you. The numbers to call 416 360 toll free 866 740 740 The question is, of course, you know, we've been talking about problems in long-term care homes, uh, that we aren't taking good enough care of our elders. And here we are with statements that, uh, yep, we're we're spending too much on old people. David Kravitz, welcome. Thanks for joining Thank us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, uh, first of all, are we so is that the case? Well, I think the, the problem here is that you're mixing and matching categories. He's throwing around percentages without uh, considering the underlying dollars. And the story itself, we already knew, as you said, it was in uh, Canada Day 2015 that the two groups actually crossed over. Um, and the 65-plus uh, exceeded the, the under-16. But um, if the spending on Zoomers goes up 5%, on, on seniors goes up 5% a year, as Mr. Kershaw is worrying about for the next five years, and the economy only grows by 1.5%, he's comparing the two, and he's saying, gosh, all of the economic growth isn't going to be enough to pay for all the seniors' growth. Well, of course, he ignores that the base number underlying this is wildly different. It would be like saying your spending on chocolate went up 100% and your income only went up 5% and that doesn't work. So it's actually less than one percentage point of increase. The economy will grow and throw off $150 billion more and the seniors at 1.5% a year and the seniors, yes, at this 5.7 that he's worrying about, will throw off another $12 billion. So you've got $12 billion out of $155 billion and that's the big crisis that he's wringing his hands about, and it just makes it's just absurd. Okay, well, the numbers, the actual numbers that he used is that uh, spending on seniors' benefits uh, expected to climb from fifty-one point one billion to sixty-three point seven billion, and as you said, that's that's twelve and a half billion increase. But let's not get bogged down on. The numbers. So, on the one hand, we do have a growing population of Zoomers, and 
uh, you know, let's not forget the good news. A big People part of the reason longer. we're living, living longer. longer. So yes, about that. we are living longer, and that census also showed more centenarians. So we have more people living the dream, living to 100 and beyond. That's the good news. Uh, the bad news is uh, you need money to live. So uh, what is going to have to change, and, and how do we... Um, combat this kind of sense that it's like a zero-sum game. If if we spend money on benefits for our elders, then that takes away from young people. Well, I think, I think we have to, first of all, stop cherry-picking. You can always look at an expenditure and say, well, I used to spend that, now I'm spending this, cut that back. Because the trouble with cherry-picking is it can work both ways. So, for example... Um, Almost 40% of the homes that are owned in Canada are owned by baby boomers, 50 to 70. 20% are owned by 65-plus. The average Zoomer, 45-plus, has not had a high school-aged child in the home for a long time. Should all the seniors say, I'm not going to pay any property taxes anymore uh, because I don't have any kids in school? Now, that wouldn't be fair, and that would be me doing what I'm Accusing that I'm cherry picking one number, I'm pulling it out of the mix, it's, it's, and it's, I say stop. You know, it's, so it's interesting it's that, that you mentioned that because I just got a very yeah. uh, thoughtful uh, handwritten letter from one of our listeners saying, you know, I, I exactly that. I don't have kids at home. Haven't had kids at home for ages. Why, why should I pay property tax to pay for their education? Right. And so, what and, happens to the budgets if that? listener doesn't and if that whole cohort represented by that listener stops well but on the other hand you have a lot of millennials saying well all those older people hanging on to their homes uh, you know that means that i can't get into the real estate market it's true and i think that the issue of a generational squeeze the issue of the implications of aging the the money issues are not simple i don't i'm not here to say there's no problem at all as we live longer and we try to get the institutions of the past, not, namely pensions and uh, housing subsidies and income splitting, all those financial things, as we try to use those in the future, many of them may have to change. But all I'm saying is there's got to be a more holistic – you've got to look at all of the components. You can't just say, here's what you're spending over here, yank that out, because then what you're going to invite is the, uh, the older generation is going to say, okay, as long as you're yanking things away, we'll yank away the property taxes. And by the way, a huge number of seniors, never mind Zoomers, seniors, 65-plus, are still paying income taxes. Well, as well they should and, yes, if they're earning they money. They're not are retiring. earning money. Uh, and uh, it's interesting because... There are actually some rules that that make it you you're at a disadvantage if you have a job and if you want to keep working there there are disincentives in the tax system there are disincentives in the tax system for sure, and there's not sufficient um, attention being paid to this whole phenomenon in the first place. And I think the larger story here, uh, Libby, as we continue to age, and you and I have talked about this, is all of the institutions of the past have to be reexamined. We're only acting shocked and surprised because it's never happened before. 
But the millennials that are complaining now, what is uh, Mr. Kershaw and his group going to do when they're 65? Are they going to voluntarily stop working? They'll be halfway through their lives, possibly. They're going to be seniors for half their life. Are they going to vacate the job market to let the as-yet-unborn youngsters come in? How is their health going to be taken care of if they've got 50, 60, 70 years to go? Not inconceivable, 125, let's say, not inconceivable. 120, well, I but, think but the, even the point for, I'm making is what are they yeah. going to do if they say 100? Let's just stop at 100. So at 65, you have 35 years to go. And we're uh, not set if up If you're today. very lucky, yeah. If, well, I'm just saying yeah, if you yeah. take the centenarian. So at 65, they had 35 years to go, and that number's growing if you're very lucky. We're not set up to deal with it because we haven't had a dialogue that looks of all of it. And it looks shocking to us. And to be fair to the millennials, it looks shocking to us because adult children haven't stayed in their parents' home for as long. But that may be the normal that we have to accommodate on the other side. So I'm actually calling for a more constructive, open-minded dialogue of the generations rather than cherry-picking and finger-pointing and plucking one statistic here and one statistic there and using it as a you know, as a missile to launch against the other generation. You know, it's interesting. Zoomers worry about their children and grandchildren. And I hear from a lot of people who would agree with that millennial say, yes, we, we, we are taking too much away from our children. They, they worry about it. You know, first of all, the fact that we are living longer means, you know, the, this generation stands to inherit less because their parents are going to use up yes. their resources. Uh, people worry about all of that. So I, I want to throw this out to our listeners sure. again. I, I want to know, are you... Do you worry that uh, the good news for you and people of your age is going to be bad news for your children and grandchildren? And in what way do you worry that people are staying in their jobs and and not allowing younger people to advance? Uh, People are staying in their homes. Uh, Younger people can't get into the market. There's a big supply problem, especially here in the GTA. And what about the benefits? And, And on this show, we keep talking about more benefits that we need more care in long-term care. The numbers to call 416-360-0740 and 1-866-740-4740. I'm here with David Kravitz, who is our generational expert. Um, so David, do you hear from people who sort of buy into this? We, we, we hear a lot of uh, criticism uh, along these lines, but it's always that single topic, uh, what about this, that sort of gotcha. And that's where I think uh, the debate gets uh, fruitless. Be- uh, and that's why I'm calling for, and I know uh, Zoomer has called for, a much more widespread, open-minded dialogue to balance what are the expenditures, what is, where's the money coming from, uh, what and also what are people doing on their own? You mentioned before people living at home and boomers worried about it. Sixty-two percent of boomers who are looking after adult children have had to delay their retirement for that reason. Forty-five percent of the adult children on the receiving end have said they realize that they're stopping their parents from retiring because they still need that home. He can't cash out his big home and downsize because he's still got his children living there. So. Uh, 
there is that recognition for sure. Okay. Um, we're going to have to uh, make our calls a bit quick today, but we've got Neil in Oakville. Hi, Neil. Hi, how are you? Fine. My comment is that uh, when I bought our house in Oakville 32 years ago, I paid $117,000 for it. It's now worth 1.5 mil. So that's what I can leave my children. Um, yeah, good for you. <laughs> yeah, I know. Can you believe it? <laughs> that's um, that for people who are fortunate enough to have a house and uh, who don't have to sell it when they're in retirement. Um, yeah, so you, so you think uh, they'll be taken care of with that? I would think so. Who knows what'll be uh, what it'll be worth by, by the time you know when after you live to a hundred. But but on the other hand, you know, I guess the the problem is from children who say, well, we can't get into a house now when we're getting married and having kids. Well, I think there's probably more people like myself, yeah, than not. Well, let's hope so, Neil. Thanks for your call. Okie doke. Okay. Uh, we're going to take one more. We've got Bill in Cambridge. Hi, Bill. Yes. How are you? Fine. How are you? I am good, taking age and infirmity into consideration. Okay. I have been retired for just about 25 years. My wife and I worked our lifetime. She retired at 56. I retired at 60. And we have created what I consider a reasonable amount of wealth on the other side of a million, and we're still saving money. Good for you. That's wonderful. And I just wanted to say that a lot of the verbiage that I'm hearing is that it's all negative. Now, we, I think, had reasonably good jobs during our work period. Both had a contribution to retirement, and here we are. We're not asking for anything, only a fair shake. Last year, we paid almost $30,000 in income tax. That's, that's very typical and a good so for you. So we're still contributing to the financial life of every person in Canada and the province of Ontario. Well, you know, Bill, I'm glad you called in to remind us of that, and uh, thanks very much for your call. Have a good day. You too. You. Bye-bye. Okay, yeah, we're running out of time here, David. What would you like to leave us with on this? I'd like to the audience uh, to uh, feel good about uh, aging. As has been said, it's a privilege not given to everybody. It's feel good about our generation and what we're trying to do. And I also think we should feel confident that we can solve these issues if we dialogue constructively rather than just keep throwing zingers. Okay. On that note, David Kravitz, thank you so much for joining us. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.